0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. In late January, I had the great honor of conducting a mobile recording booth of sorts at the California Native Plant Society Conservation Conference held in LA. This gathering of hundreds of people Young, old, multinational, multicultural from a diversity of backgrounds and walks of life gathered together to share research, joys, struggles, all around their shared passion for California native plants. I never take an interview lightly. I always hold it as a privilege to view through this window into somebody else's life and mind and heart. Sometimes I interview in person, but primarily I interview remotely. At their best and my best, both methods require their own version of deep listening. To be in a busy urban hotel, in a busy metropolis, in the concreted semi-industrial landscape in the vicinity of that city's international airport is to be made profoundly aware of both the need and the privilege that is daily access to green space. Over the course of the conference, I sat and listened to dozens of native plant enthusiasts willing to share their story with me. Why they were there, their sacred memories, their losses, their gains, the plants and plant communities with whom they felt kindred. I heard of the loss of children, the marriages of couples, of seeing a herd of elk antlers moving through morning mist across a meadow and wetland at the break of day. This was all about native plants, but it was also about the love and connection to these plants. It was about our own sacred connection to life. Today, you'll hear a small selection of these voices, interwoven around the story of a native plant home gardener finding his own voice and purpose and passion in a poignant dispatches from the home garden that really pull the concepts of why we're here doing what we do together. I will let these gardeners and plant life lovers take it from here.
1: My name is Jorge Montiel. Um, I'm part of the Baja chapter. Currently uh, I'm living in the U.S. uh, at Merced. This is the Central Valley. Right now I moved to the U.S. because I was pursuing a a PhD. As one of my goals in life is uh, uh, to become more uh, a leader for my community and I realize I need uh, the higher education level which uh, a philosophical doctor will provide. I'm studying uh, within the UC system, this is at UC Merced. I will say maybe it's not the plan, the love for the plants itself, it's the love for future generations and sometimes I see reflected uh, that interest here in the CNPS as a, as a society as a group. Um, they use plants as a symbol which I which I'm agree on that uh, um, way of thinking use uh, natural resources as a symbol and then from that uh, try to change a little bit the paradigmas that we have in the current society and this this might be from uh, Planting the seed of this, uh, the importance of nature in, in my community, that will make me, uh, that is, I need to do. I need to become a leader to start like working on that aspect, because we are facing a lot of conservation issues, and that's the battlefield that I choose.
2: Hi there, my name is Vince Bellino. I'm 26 and I live in San Marcos, which is in San Diego in Southern California. Right now I'm living with my parents and trying to create this business out of native landscaping, trying to find a niche in the native plant community or just trying to convince more people that we don't have to cover our front yards and rock. We can create low maintenance, you know, water-wise, um, eco-friendly, if you will, gardens that are beautiful that are inviting and they benefit the health of people and the health of insects and birds and the environment itself
0: as you talk to me vince uh, We can hear the birds and the Mm. surrounding environment of your garden How long have you been in the garden you're in right now and tell me a little bit about what it looks like?
2: So the garden it's probably started about three and a half years ago. And if the garden looks so my, my dad had installed three citrus trees, got a lime, a lemon, and an orange. Um, and then he also installed uh, a tangerine and avocado. So the, the garden itself, we actually, right when you walk outside, it's a bank. So it's just a, just a hillside. And one of the first projects that I was inspired to do was create a terrace level so we have one two three four five six levels of the bank that i hacked into with my brother Mm -hmm. and we just basically kept going in a level building blocks up then did another level so it's basically just a terrace staircase of uh vegetable rows so it helps create space for us to grow food um in a such a small area outside the front is a little patio patio area with uh 100 native plants except for one australian plant that my mom doesn't want to get rid of but there's one so it's okay um the the entire let's see the entire backyard oh i would say a thousand square feet and pretty similar to the front yard maybe 1500 square feet in the front yard
0: And when you, so when you walk out the back of your house into the garden, that slope is going up from the house or down from the house? Up. Up from the house. And um, describe the vegetables and fruits that you're growing there in addition to the citrus and the avocado.
2: Yeah, so right now we have uh, snap peas, um, Swiss chard, uh, kale, uh, we have broccoli Romanesco. I have two blueberries in pots because they don't really do well in the ground, especially on a, a slope that has such alkaline soil of clay. And then we have some goji berries in a pot as well because those are pretty invasive. I've noticed some lavender and then next door. So that's actually maybe you go into a little bit about that next door. My parents also bought the property and they also have a bank that are covered. I restored it back to native plants and we did a little garden over there, and right now we have tomatoes coming up, lots of lettuce, uh, uh, kale as well, arugula that just spreads like crazy, mint. Um, There's a lot of little different things, some onions, some chives, some basil. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you started this project two years ago, three years ago?
2: About three and a half.
0: And what inspired you to, because you, you seem to have two different passion plays here, one Mm -hmm. being that for growing your own food and one being that for growing native plants. What uh, compelled you to start the food garden?
2: So that that's kind of uh, thinking back. I was just I remember doing a lot of research to learn about the world and, you know, reading more of the news and understanding just the state of the world we're in and how things seem so we're so disconnected. It seems like something is unnatural at play and that really our the system we're living in is so fragile. And just thinking about how simple plants are and how it's just literally something that grows out of the ground and produces food to eat. And why, if that's so simple, why is that not more prevalent? Why can't you just walk down the street and grab a lemon off the tree if it's just if it's that simple and so realizing that you know the state of the world seems pretty fragile i think we're very dependent on systems that distract us from nature so it's really more of like a how do i get closer to nature how do i provide more for me instead of just having to go to the store and purchasing something how can i provide something for myself the natural way and So that's kind of how the, the food started. It was very much like a survival prepper kind of mentality. And then the native plants kind of evolved when I didn't, I never really knew about natives. I meet a lot of people in the native plant community and that was their first passion. Their first passion was like learning about nature and the native plants. For me, it was learning about food and then through, through the food, uh, evolving into a permaculture aspect where it's not just about okay i mean it could be but it evolves from you have a little vegetable garden or maybe a little raised bed and then understanding that nature is a symbiotic system that has many many different uh working parts and learning about the permaculture principles and there's you know five different zones you have the first zone which is the food that's close to your house and then you have zone five which is an untouched natural area that is the native ecosystem of your area and you're having birds and insects and pollinators they're all being attracted to the native plants and having that near your garden is really beneficial because then it brings a lot of life to your garden and how beneficial that is for fighting pests and for pollinating plants and just making the garden more alive instead of just oh i'm just Doing this for food so i realized that living in a suburban area we don't have any zone five we don't have any nature left um so i so i was like okay we have a bank let's let's turn that into a native garden let's create a zone five to bring in the pollinators to bring in the the life and then to help the garden and then i just kind of went down the rabbit hole of native plants <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because when you planted that first iteration of your zone five, describe mm. the plants you incorporated and describe what happened.
2: Yeah, that was a really cool. I don't know. It's just that's it was something beyond just, oh, you know, it's just a plant. Like, so the first plant was a black sage, mm. and I bought two of them and put them very close together, and, uh, realizing it was just really funny. I was actually, my first native plant was put in the front yard. Um, And it was on a little, you know, the whole front yard was covered in rocks and just your, I mean, your typical Southern California yard. It was just very no maintenance at all. Um, A lot of, you know, invasive plants or junipers and such. And it was just really nice to like smell a black sage and, just like kind of like it kind of reminded me that smell kind of reminded me of being, you know, in California and just realizing, wow, we don't have this smell anymore. We don't have this connection to what California actually was designed to be. And so to me, it just really felt like uh, I didn't know how deep it was going to go, but it really felt like I was doing something right by putting something that belongs here back.
0: Talk talk to me a little bit about your History prior to starting the food gardening exploration.
2: Yeah, I came from uh, well, I come from an Italian, uh, an Ita- mostly Italian American background. My grandpa uh, was born in Italy, moved here when he was eighteen, and he always had a garden at his house. He has about half an acre, and it was a it was very interesting because the garden was his his sacred place and i don't shame him for it but it was it was not like a place that was very inviting for kids if when we would go over to a house and play it would almost be like ah oh, don't don't mess with the garden like <laughs> so it it, it was cuz that's just like a lot of italians are, are like that and so it was never like a oh come like um let's let's plant together but uh, there was always just my uh in my realization that, oh, gardening is a cool thing to do, you know? Um, and then my dad, he, I'm not sure, uh, his history behind planting the citrus trees, but I know it was, um, you know, it's kind of like Home Depot has the citrus trees. And I think he saw those and I'm like, oh, that'd be nice to, to plant those. Um, as for my background, I was, like I said, I was never raised really naturey. We never, my family never went, uh, camping or maybe one time. And, my, my background in schooling was, uh, I went to high school, never really too fond of school, then went to college and graduated with a bachelor's. But again, in school didn't feel like I was really being taught things that I found, uh, really important. It almost seemed more of like the disciplines and not the general. And I felt like, Well at that time I was also a lot more materialistic, my my, uh, concerns were more about like buying glasses, like sunglasses and you know being 18 and just being very materialistic and then I was just in college and realizing well there's more important like what can we just focus on what do I need as a human being to sustain my life and it was food and it was nature and it was just weird to me that something so fundamental, something so basic was not taught to me as a child that threw me into this whole in-depth like uh, journey of like how we are connected to nature and how we need nature to survive.
3: My name is Juan Garcia. I'm 46 years old and I am from Los Angeles, California. I work for the Irvine Ranch Water District. I'm a water efficiency specialist. I'm actually the landscape specialist for the district and I help people with managing their water. When I was going up to Mount San Antonio College, and I met a great professor named David Lanham. He got me interested in just overall horticulture, having plant ID, talking about native plants, the importance of our protecting our environment, habitat. That really started getting me more into native plants. And working in the public forum with the district, you know, I have to be open to, I guess, all types of, of landscaping in general um, when it comes to water efficiency. But I do try to push the issue on exclusively Working with native plants and mm-hmm. see what kind of feedback I get from the customers. I have tons of native plants in my garden. If I could speak to a politician or influential policymaker, I would have him look at the state of water use in the state overall, um, how much wasted water is out there in your typical landscape environment, and have him consider simple California native plants, how beautiful they are native to our environment how efficient they can be how much water we can save the potential
0: i'm jennifer jewel and this is cultivating place it's california native plant week and the spring membership drive here at north state public radio we're celebrating both as we enjoy a diversity of voices sharing their native plant love would you expect anything less interesting from your public radio station. We'll be back after another voice and break, letting you know how you can support programming you love and that expands you. Stay with us. Hey, learning about leaning into and supporting the communities that mean the most to you is really at the heart of today's conversation with Vince Bellino. It's at the heart of the students and scientists and citizens who shared their stories with me at the CNPS Conservation Conference. When I listen through all of these voices and stories from a distance, these are the words that stand out. Community. Connection. Joy. Purpose. I hope that all of these are an integral part of your own gardening life, and that you're able to make room for it and hold that space as valuable in your days and weeks. So often, something like gardening or a nature walk, these are easy to slip away from us as nice, but not necessary. But we do know they're necessary and nice, so that's a bonus. And now back to our conversation with Vince Bellino, a young man on the leading edge still of his own life in plants. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back after a break to hear more stories and passion and purpose around the beauty and community that are our native plants. Welcome back.
4: My name is Carol Witham. I live in Sacramento, California. I had been chasing plants all over the Western United States for a long time, in fact, since I was a kid, and one day I read an article about them needing docents out at some place called Jepson Prairie in California, and they were talking about these things called vernal pools, and I was clueless. And so my aha moment came not from going to the lectures and not from seeing all the squashed plants, but from walking out into the middle of a vernal pool with some very knowledgeable botanists and getting down on my belly with a hand lens and going, oh my God, there's a whole world here. And so I've been studying vernal pools now for 30 years. I just love it. The most remarkable plant in a vernal pool is a whole genera of plants that is entirely endemic to vernal pools all I don't know there's 12 or 13 species only occur in vernal pools and only occur in California and they're called the Downingia and when you walk up to a pool that's in full bloom with Downingia you can often think that it's reflecting the blue of the sky on the water until you get closer and you can smell them and then you know that you've walked into a pool full of blooming down in My favorite animal has got to be the fairy shrimp. It always has been, always will be. They're so graceful. They swim through the water upside down. They filter feed. they're just enchanting and they're not microscopic, they're actually macroscopic. And I was teaching a class um, to uh, San Francisco State students and they were all looking at these fairy shrimp in a little container. I was passing it around and everything. And somebody said, well, I wonder what they eat And one of the, one of the women in the, in the class. Why rainbows, of course. <laughs> and that was one of my more touching moments of teaching in Bernal Pools.
0: And now back to our conversation with Vince Bellino, sharing his own native plant gardening story. You mentioned that you are now working on trying to make your work related to this incorporation of native plants into the suburban life you are mm. you are living in. Talk to me about what what inspired you to do that, and when it started, and how it's going.
2: Yeah, it's it's going good. I started it in November two thousand sixteen, and I remember feeling a lot of pressure. Like I kind of have a plan, my and my plan um, is to focus on the native garden tour that's happening um, this month, and to kind of just focus a lot of my energy into building up the the home garden so people can come see the home garden, see what my style is, how I kind of see gardening. And instead of just trying to go door, door to door and knocking on people's door and trying to just get them to put in plants and them not really truly care, it, I'm trying to tap into the niche of people who really love and appreciate native gardening, but maybe don't have the resources or the knowledge to incorporate it. So they can come to me and I can uh, install the garden for them and kind of talk to them, and teach them about the plants, and then they can teach their friends and such. And so I think it's going really well. And I like that I'm not feeling too pressured to to just get clients, but rather focus on what I'm good at. And then if people appreciate it, they can contact me. The California Native Plant Society uh, has a tour. I believe it's all all throughout California, but the one I'm in San Diego. So it's you can go to cnpssd.org and you'll see. Scroll down a little bit, and it'll show that there is a native garden tour with 19 gardens throughout North County San Diego, and you can buy tickets. I believe they're $25, and if you're a student, you could there's a code it's called student 15 is the code and you can get it for a bit cheaper. And it's essentially every year, the, at least in San Diego, every year they do a garden tour in each different County. And this year it's going to be in North County. And so that's where, that's where I'll be displaying the two properties that we have side by side um, that I've configured both front yards into native plants and the backyards. And the business name is Restoring California. The, the message I'm trying to portray is that uh, the, the landscape that I'm putting in is not going to be mostly cultivars or man-made plants. It's more of taking restoration work and putting it into the suburban area and showing that natural plants that are growing on the hillsides of California that are surviving off of uh, limited rainfall in the dead sun and just surviving and thriving. Those plants are also so beautiful and they can be used in the home garden and they should be, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) And the dates of the garden tour
2: are? April 14th and 15th.
0: When you first planted those black sage, what process did you follow from there to learn Uh, more about native plants and restoration work?
2: So when I first planted the two black sage, I didn't exactly realize how in-depth and diverse Southern California is. So one major tool I used that is a godsend is cowscape.org. There's a little feature on there where you can type in a plant or you can even use your location and learn which plants grow in your particular area. When I was planting native plants, you know, i used use things like scarlet bugler, which is a desert plant, desert willow. I was using a lot of different plants that grow in California, but not necessarily grow native to my particular microclimate and region. So using plants and being able to research through CalScape what grows in my area, I was then able to start removing some plants that may not be very local to me and just primarily focus on the local habitat. And then that combined with uh, hiking Really one of my favorite places to hike is Elfin Forest and it's a beautiful preserve and they're doing some restoration work there, too So I would go there and I would look at the plants. I would take pictures. I would ask people on Instagram. Hey, what plant is this? Uh, you know, it just kind of talks to the community and learn a lot about um, the plants and their benefits and the benefit of having diversity and not just planting the beautiful plants uh, or typical beautiful plants, but putting value on the rest, the entire picture of restoration and using many different plants to create a feel of being in nature instead of just using the beautiful cultivated or uh, typical plants of like toyon or the ground cover lilacs, which are all beautiful, but really what got me into restoration was realizing that all of these different plants play a a role in creating the entire whole, and I would really like to incorporate that in people's yards.
5: My name is uh, Temitope Israel Borokini, but for the comfort of pronunciation, I go by Israel, which is my middle name. I am originally from Nigeria, and I'm 36 years old. I'm doing my Ph.D. in the University of Nevada, Reno. I'm working on this uh, native plant, uh, which is a white flower uh, called Ivisia weberi. Some pronounce it as Hivesia weberi, which is uh, locally distributed in uh, Northern Nevada and Northern California. So why am I interested in studying plants? Uh, It's really because I I grew up in the forest, I uh, my dad is a biologist, and we grew up. He's a researcher, and we grew up inside the forest. In the broad daylight, we see monkeys hopping on the trees, and in the night, we see wild. We hear wild dogs barking in the forest, and we wake up each morning to the sounds of birds singing in the trees uh, and within a couple of years after we lived in that uh, forest environment there was a change in policy and many of those trees were destroyed, were logged and so the environment changed drastically and I felt it, it really broke my heart that my childhood home was really being destroyed and it was a serene paradise-like environment, and so from that time I knew definitely I was going to study plants and I'm going to help to conserve the environment that supports us.
0: I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. The California floristic province is home to on the order of 6,500 native plant species, and there are those among us who love and want to ensure the long life of the genetics and habitats of every single one of them. Today, in celebration of California Native Plant Week, we're hearing from a selection of those voices. We'll be right back after a break. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. If you're on my email list and you read this last View From Here newsletter, you'll know I explored a little bit the idea of garden literacy and what that means to me now how it has shifted over time and place and experience. I think this is one of the things that really draws me in to these kinds of conversation with people about their plant and gardening lives and journeys, this maturing and growing. Vince makes an observation in our conversation about how he is now in his mid-20s as a gardener. So much more aware of his grandfather and how he must have grown as a person by being in relationship to his garden, even if it wasn't a garden that was particularly welcoming to rambunctious little people like Vince. What does garden literacy look like to you? Is it plant names? Is it plants as medicine? Is it plants as food? Is it cultural and historical knowledge and lenses? Is it How to cook with your plants? Is it their native communities? Or how to arrange them into pleasing designs and combinations for sheer beauty? I'd be really interested to hear how this has changed for you. I remember once my Aunt Patina remarking to me that as a younger gardener, she'd never liked variegation in a plant. She thought it looked ugly and kind of sick. But as an older gardener in her 60s, she loved it. She was fascinated with the different patterns and how it presented in different plants. How has your garden literacy shifted? Expanded or focused? As always, if you feel called to share, leave a comment at this week's post on Instagram and Facebook, or send me a note through the contact page at Cultivating Place. Make sure to sign up for the newsletter when you're there. It's a great way for me to hear from you. Okay, now back to our voices of native plants, their passion and purpose. This is Cultivating Place, Conversations on Natural History and the Human Impulse to Garden. We're back after a break to hear more stories about the beauty, community, and meaning of our native plants. Welcome back.
6: My name is Lindsay Noel Ringer. I live in San Luis Obispo, California. I have been fascinated with how ecosystems affect our humanity and our Ability to connect with our inner selves and create community in place over time for a long time I've worked in four different parks doing vegetation conservation and as a little girl on the Central Coast my grandparents my grandpa Taught me to look at those seashells and look at the journey that each of us takes in life and Young people that hadn't engaged in an ecosystem before, I would try to introduce them to the ecosystem by having them see the collective whole. So how um, the insects and the soils and the plants and the wildlife are interacting to tell the larger story of the trophic cascades within the ecosystem. but asking them questions. I feel like question-based learning is often what's missing in ecology. Um, and that that is how our next generation is going to respond by being able to tell the story through their own eyes.
0: And now back to our conversation with Vince Bellino. You mentioned your grandfather regarding his garden as sacred space. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this concept in your life, Vince.
2: Yeah, that's, that's one that has really um, struck me, especially in the past couple, maybe the past six months to a year, and just realizing how integral um, or important a garden is to being human and I and you mentioned that in your introduction and it really resonated with me um for him I'm gonna like Italian families are typically very crazy very loud very uh that's you know argumentative and just very strong headstrong and proud and you know my relationship with my grandpa and grandma growing up and watching them just seeing how they would butt heads not in like a not in like a awful way but just you know and so he would always his space was outside his that's where he was like alive in his zone was being in the garden um planting his garden and he didn't always have a lot of success he he had a lot of frustration as as all gardeners do as i do um he had gopher issues and a lot of birds eating his figs his figs and like many of his plants but just showing like how that was his anchor, like being him being able to just step outside into his sacred space and somewhere he was in control, but also uh, not in control because there's so many different factors that are happening in the garden that you can go out one day and it's blazing hot and things aren't going right. But when you realize that something there's a problem and that we have to as gardeners we have to have a relationship with the garden and help it thrive it really helps us solve problems and see see problems and help figure out solutions and i think that was one thing for him was he was just very hard worker and he was just out there every day and i believe growing as a person from having that relationship with the garden that so i i was now seeing like wow i think you know a lot of what is uh why i'm re- why i'm uh, drawn to gardening is a lot from him and sh- showing how it's uh you know i think maybe you know if you watch like an all-state commercial or whatever a commercial on tv will kind of show gardening as one of those like uh, uh flamboyant maybe things to do but really like it's kind of just learning about human history and how how connected and how important it is to garden it's not just some like simple hobby that's just uh, just oh yeah you like to garden how like really important of a role this is in growing as a person I feel and just being able to to figure out what it means to be human to me it it shows a lot of purpose Mm -hmm. uh I you know I think in my email, I talked to you about biblical studies and how I recently found that. And I think, you know, my grandpa passed away uh, two years ago and realizing that I feel like maybe he's guiding me a lot in a lot of ways. But to learn through the Bible how God placed uh, Adam and Eve in a garden, it wasn't just something that, you know, humans one day were like, oh, let's make a garden. It was like this was our purpose was to be in a garden and that is our that is our natural environment, to be surrounded by trees that are producing fruit and birds chirping and insects flying and showing that that this is something that is inherent in us. And I think, you know, I, I kind of look at a lot of my friends and I invite them over, hey, you want to garden? And, and people are, I feel, a, a kind of afraid to garden. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to plant that and kill it because then I would feel awful. And to me, I had that same frustration, too, but any my advice to anyone listening who might want to garden but is afraid of making mistakes, I would say, go make mistakes. The plants won't hate you, but the more you do anything, the better you're going to get at it, and I think there's a lot of growth in that. There's just something about people who understand that what gardening is and what planting is, and to be able to relate and to understand that this is important and even though you know there's a lot of issues in the world that we're facing that there is just something so important about the garden and how i was learning about people in different areas of the world especially in europe and how many different people in a neighborhood would all have gardens and they would grow certain things and then they would share and that they would create community off of garden and i think Gardens are one way that we can connect with people and kind of revive that community thing I mean, I remember the first time I was trying to garden I was trying to have a hundred percent success rate all the time and that's just never going to be the case for any gardener so Being able to know that and accept that. Okay, I I'm gonna I'm just an infant in this. I'm going to just start from the ground Literally, I guess pun intended and just work with it and things not Things will not always work out and thrive, but it is in those moments that we learn what works and what doesn't. And that makes us much better people in general, not just gardeners.
0: Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today. It's been a great pleasure to speak with you, Vince.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate you.
0: Vince Bellino is a native plant advocate and gardener living in Southern California his garden restoration company is called Restoring California. In addition to Vince's native plant-focused dispatches from the home garden, we've also heard today from the native plant community whom I interviewed on behalf of the California Native Plant Society at their conservation conference in LA earlier this year. To hear all of the native plant story booth interviews, please visit cnps.org. And happy California Native Plant Week. Thank you, as always, to North State Public Radio for their commitment to quality programming. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways that people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. The program is made possible in part by California Public Broadcasting and you. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.